welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today, we are joined by Ajima, who is a Nigerian based in Belgium. She'll be sharing her details of her path to parenthood through surrogacy, and her details will also be in the show notes. So welcome, Ajima, and thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much, Ola, for having me, and I'm happy to do this. So yes, let's get going. Hey, yay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Please tell us a little bit about yourself to start off. Um, I am a Jima, as Ola has, as you've rightly said, I'm a Jima, I'm a Nigerian, and I'm currently based in Belgium. Um, I am an architect and a fashion designer. Uh, currently, I'm a stay-at-home mom uh, to my beautiful daughter, who was born home about seven and a half months ago. Um, I be- via surrogacy, I became infertile due to a medical error uh, during a myomectomy. The doctor mistakenly amputated my cervix. And so, yeah, uh, my issue was caused by someone. And uh, we were advised surrogacy was our best option. And um, yeah, so that's how I became a parent. And that's how I became an advocate for people struggling with fertility or infertility and, you know, alternative paths to parenthood. And yeah, I'm again happy to be here and, and to share my story. Thank you so much uh, for sharing. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that you had your cervix uh, removed uh, in error. Uh, I cannot imagine how that must have felt when you found out. So the surgery was for, what was the surgery for? It was a myomectomy, so to take out fibroids, yeah. But then we later found out that during that, he also mistakenly amputated my cervix, took out my cervix. cervix. Yeah. And how was it then, when you when you knew at that point that you had to use a surrogate, how did that, like, what was going through your mind? Because, you know, especially coming from Nigeria, how did you feel about the idea of using a surrogate? Uh, so we were, after we went back for a checkup, he said he couldn't find my my cervix. He thinks it was blocked, like a regular check after the surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked to come back on a certain day and then he would put me under anesthesia and try to find the hole or the cervix, you know. Mm. And then when I woke up, I had four holes on my tummy and apparently it was it, it was a laparoscopy. So he told us he couldn't find my cervix and then he referred us to a professor in gynecology uh, at KU Leuven, which is one of the best um, university teaching hospitals or even the best in Belgium. Mm. And so we went to this professor and he, he was there. We realized that I couldn't you know, get pregnant naturally or artificially because the connection between the vagina and the uterus was gone. I remembered like at the point in which he said that, he said my best option was surrogacy or adoption. Um, It felt like um, 
my whole world came crashing down and I, I just started to cry. It was at that point that my husband and I realized the intensity of the situation we were in. Um, it was mm. a very difficult period as an African and a woman, or first a woman and then an African woman. Uh, since we're kids or little girls, you know, we're programmed to know that we're supposed to get married and have babies, you know, while the men yeah. are meant to be the providers and the protectors and all. So, and it just felt like that had been like, my whole essence of being a woman had been taken away from me, you know. I came back home, my phones were off for almost a month. I was, I cried couldn't sleep I don't know if I would say I was depressed yeah maybe you know and uh yeah after a while then we traveled to Nigeria because I just couldn't believe it and I was told the same thing so it's kind of um you know it's kind of you know re-emphasized or it kind of I don't know how to put it like made me realize what my new reality was at the time yeah and I said then earlier that, uh, you know, coming from Nigeria, just because and, and how you felt about surrogacy, because I know that here in Nigeria, we don't speak about surrogacy. I'm sure it happens often, but it's just that we don't speak about it at all. And, and anything that seems different from the norm is highly stigmatized. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have that as your reality then, and then moving forward with it. And, and now that you actually did perceive the surrogacy, you know, again, another thing is that many people that might use that option just because of how society is, they might decide not to tell anyone. And for you, you'll have been perfect. I say that in quote because of where I'm trying to get to with this point. People, no one would have known that you use the surrogate, you know, if you're just have a baby and come back to visit at any point in time because you actually live in Belgium no one will have known that you used the surrogate. So why did you decide to speak out and share that you actually did use a surrogate? At first, I honestly didn't want to share mm-hmm. because I felt that um, it was me exposing like myself, my vulnerable right. parts, mm-hmm. you know, and then letting people, you know, dive in on it. Um, you know, and I was scared of being insulted or being, mm-hmm. you know, there's a way you're looked at if you can't have kids in, in Nigeria. It's like you're not fully a woman. You were promiscuous as mm-hmm. a young lady. You had series of abortion or you probably did something and the gods are punishing you, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, I didn't want to say it. But at a point, I decided to because... I wanted, you know, I feel like by sharing our stories, we encourage the next person, whether we know it or, or we don't. Yes. So I decided to own my story. You know, when you own your story, nobody would use it to insult you. Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, this is my story. And I'm so very proud of it. Um, it doesn't mean that I, I don't sometimes wish that I carried my pregnancy. Of course, I would want to feel or experience that, but that wouldn't happen for me. But at the same time, I'm, I'm blessed with, with my child. Um, 
So I count on my blessings. I've been shown how much um, the people around me love me because not just my sister-in-law, friends back home, my stepsister, my mom, everybody just wanted to help be my surrogate, right? So it just shows me how much I'm being loved. And I would say it's been more of, of a positive experience than, than a negative in terms of, you know, uh, the help that I got, my support system, you know, the people around me, you know, the fact that now this has given me a voice to encourage somebody else, you know, struggling. Mm. And also, I never wanted to lie. How could I pretend and, 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 and put fake um, Tommy to take a picture and, and deceive people that I did I, I did it when I didn't and it will also be taken away the sacrifice that my sister-in-law made made for me you know like yeah. she sacrificed so much and then I'm gonna stand there and pretend that I carried my pregnancy it just it just didn't feel right mm -hmm. you know and it just haunted me for a while until you know, my husband and I had the conversation and I said, and he said, yeah, he doesn't have a problem. In fact, for him, it was best we did that because um, then we would be honest to our daughter because when she's growing up, she would ask questions, you know, yeah. uh, would be grateful to, you know, my sister-in-law and, and my brother. And lastly, we never know who, who we're encouraging you know, who is struggling out there and, and we're trying to encourage and for it's our story, it's our journey. So we have to own it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Wow, I love that, saying that you own your story because again, when you own it, people don't have any power over you anymore. No one mm -hmm. can say, I know something you did, I'm going to tell if you don't do this or whatever the case may be. And like you rightly said, you didn't do anything wrong. You know, you used the, the, the you chose the path based on what your options were because yeah. of what happened in your case. And you have a beautiful, gorgeous daughter now. Yeah. Uh, thankful to your, thanks to your surrogate who was able to help uh, make mm -hmm. that happen. So yeah. why, be, why be ashamed of that? So it's, it's really, really, really beautiful that you, you share the story and you speak out and you advocate because knowingly or unknowingly, lots of people here in Nigeria, and I'm sure across the world are watching and have seen that and have been inspired by your bravery uh, your vulnerability you know for coming out for speaking out because again many people are in that situation maybe not necessarily the exact same one that happened to you in terms of your cervix but they have different issues that have arisen the way why they need a surrogate so yeah. them hearing you speak about openly will they encourage them to know that it's not a bad thing to do it's not it's not no. No. right and they're different paths right it doesn't yeah doesn't make yours a uh, any less just because it's different. Yeah. So going back to actually finding a surrogate, when you were told that you had to use a surrogate, how, how was that? Because, I mean, I don't know how it is in Belgium, but even here in Nigeria, it's very expensive. I've heard in some cases, some people saying like eight to 10 million naira, which is depending on the exchange rate could be in the 20 something to almost 30,000 US dollars. So having that as your reality, how, what did you think was gonna happen to get a surrogate? Uh when when we had um mm. we needed a surrogate then we started to you know research because you hear surrogates or you know celebrities kim kardashian and gabriel mm -hmm. union yeah. you know i think sarah jessica parker yes, you know, yes. juliana ranzi you know so yes. those people have like 
you know, there are celebrities and you hear their stories and, oh yeah, surrogate, you know, was involved and she carried the pregnancy. But we never knew, or I never knew more than that. Mm. I, I didn't know what the process was. I didn't know it was expensive. I didn't know nothing. You know, it's like now when people ask and I say, oh, I had my baby via surrogacy, it's expensive. They're like, oh, wow. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like sometimes you never know until you've walked in that shoes. You, mm. It's just not your cup of tea. Yeah. So then we started to research. And by the time we contacted surrogacy agencies, and by the time the bills came, I told my husband, I said, men, we're screwed because we cannot be parents. Now, in Belgium, surrogacy is altruistic, so it's free, right? It's not, it's, it's a gray zone. It's not black and white. It's not like America, which has a legal framework. No, the hospitals decide and um, you can't pay a surrogate. It has to be done by a close family or friend. The surrogate is the legal parents of the baby. And then mm. if she's married with her husband and then you have to file for adoption. So no contracts, whatever, it's null and void. Wow. So then... Yeah, that was why we began to search America. And then it's expensive. Then we began to look for options in Nigeria. And then, you know, it wasn't like I went asking, but when I shared with close family and friends, everybody was like, I want to help, I want to help, right? Two of my very good friends, my stepsister, my mom. So, yeah. Now, um, the thing was, so we, we, we thought about coming back to Nigeria. However based on the Belgian law about the surrogate being the legal parent, it meant that our child would be Nigerian. And then getting the child back to Belgium would be an issue for us. Mm. Uh, because one, you need a visa. Two, um, you need them to either recognize the child or give you a visa. Two, surrogacy does not have a clear legal framework, right. which meant the child is a Nigerian. And not your child, but the child of the surrogate, which meant that the embassy will file it under adoption and they probably will not even, because based on one of the conversations we had with, with the visa or one of the consulates in the embassy in Nigeria, he told us if we wanted to adopt, based on their law, I think we had to be in Nigeria for six months or one year. Oh, and wow. then, you know, they can even say no when you get to the embassy. And if the two parents of the ch child, the, the, the child, Mm. Are alive then you can't even adopt so it's very wow. very complicated and so yeah and because I didn't grow up in Belgium we couldn't even find an option in Belgium right, right? because I don't have girlfriends I don't have and there are a lot of cases of a few cases of people still battling in court because the surrogate changed their minds after they had the baby and they wow. can never win uh, so yeah, we, we, we just, you know, it was like we were in a fix and whatever direction we, we looked, even though for me, I wanted to move back to Nigeria, like even if it was Cambodia, China, you know, um, Alaska, um, the place where it's very cold, I can't yeah. remember that, that they go for research, um, at Antarctica. That's okay, yeah. As far as I had a child, it was fine for me. Mm. But my husband, 
gave me a different perspective by saying it will be unfair to the child because our child deserves the best of both worlds. So he wanted to fight that the child be recognized as a Belgian as well. And yeah, so we, we stayed here and tried to figure out how we could either afford America because with America, the passport is strong and we mm-hmm. can come back in here without a visa. And then when right. we get in here, we begin to fight for our child to be recognized as ours, you know? So yeah, we began to research options of going to America or being able to afford the cost yeah. of surrogacy in America, yeah. Yeah, in America, the, the cost, usually you hear about 100 and something to even $200,000, just another level. Yeah, yeah. It's just sad yeah. that, you know, some people get married and whew, it works. Yeah, and right. Then some other people have to spend like thousands of dollars you know, just to have a child. You shouldn't, shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we thought when we were younger, right? Just like, oh, yeah. when you're ready, you just uh, <laughs> go for dinner, maybe get drunk, you and your husband, and then, yeah. hey. <laughs> you have sex and boom. Yeah. Pregnant. The baby is here. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, I didn't even know it happened. Oh, I was too, you know, you just, and then the reality, you're like, oh, no, wow. It's not that easy. No, for some, anyway, for some, it's still Mm-mm. as easy as that, but for some, for, for many others, it's not really that way. Wow. Mm-mm. So, when you so when you got the offer from your sister in law, that must have been amazing to, to have that mm. in the midst it of was, all of this. It was, it was humbling. Yeah. It made me feel loved, mm. you know, it made me feel blessed. It made me feel you know, special, not everyone gets, you know, the opportunity of somebody offering, you know, to put their life on hold, not knowing what would happen at the end of the journey, you know, Mm. uh, and, and, and sacrifice and give you this, you know, I came across a post on Facebook in the surrogacy group I'm on where Mm. the lady posted that her dear friend who was a surrogate died while having the baby. Ah, yeah. Oh no. Yeah. So surrogates are—they're—they're angels, like they're superhumans. You know, Mm -hmm. you never know what will happen at the end of those nine months, but you know, you go in just wanting to help. You know, wanting to help, and no amount of money that you pay surrogate can equate to the risk they put on their lives. Not at all. Well, I would just say it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Such a selfless thing to do. We're so thankful mm-hmm. for your sister-in-law. Yeah. For your blessing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. How will they see this whole experience? You know, the going through infertility. I mean, infertility that was caused by a medical error. But mm-hmm. the whole experience, how will they say that has impacted you as a person and how has it impacted yourself and your husband in terms of your relationship? Hmm. I would say at different stages, it was different, you know, experiences, you know, mm. first, like I say, for me, it's, I went through the five uh, stages of grief, you know? Mm. Yeah. From, uh, I can't remember the steps in which they come, but then there, there was 
denial, anger, bargain, you know, acceptance. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was, um, it, it was, it was all that for me. Um, it also made me question why, like why me of all people, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I Googled a lot about se- missing cervix and I couldn't find shit. So I didn't even understand, you know, the situation. Um, I was angry. I was so angry. Like, you know, it's like a part of me has been taken away and a part of me, which, well, I can't see or feel, but a part of me that was meant to play a vital part mm-hmm. in me becoming a mom was, was taken away. So for some while, it felt like I was I was empty inside, like I was dead, you know. And uh, I um I tried, you know. I I I. It also sort of affected my relationship with my husband because I felt like he just wouldn't understand. Like I'm a woman. He's 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 Belgian. He's Caucasian. And, uh, you know, they can wake up and decide, oh, we don't want kids. I haven't met one Nigerian who has said, I don't want kids, you know, I haven't. And I just felt like he just couldn't understand, you know, like I wasn't fully a woman, you know, and he was patient. He was patient and he kept on trying to make me understand that we were in this together. It wasn't my wow. journey. It was our journey, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it affected our relationship. Not that we were fighting a lot. Of course, we had our fights, but I was sort of in my own world. Like I, I, I closed, you know, everything. Like I closed myself. It would like yeah. I built these walls, and he just couldn't get get in. Um, it became more like we were roommates instead mm-hmm. of like a married couple, like there was no intimacy there was you know there just wasn't like our house was wasn't I would say our home wasn't it didn't feel like a home anymore it just felt like okay so why am I even here if I can't even you know give you a child you know and then again um because my cervix was taken out sex for me is very very painful because I I don't have um I don't have this I don't have um what do they call it? Like I'm very dry most times nice. and exactly. So everything just became more like, like a, like a, like a, like I was like, I don't know. Can I say forced or how, how do I even say it? I, I don't know how to put it. So yeah, apart from me not being able to carry my pregnancy, it felt like I couldn't, you know, perform my, my marital duties, you know, right. Um, I was always bruised and and bleeding. Um, yeah, it felt like we were just two people living in a in a house, even though like he was still himself, like yeah. being my support system, you know, loving me through it all, being patient, you know, with me. And when I'm having those, you know, outbursts, he's just there and and patient and not getting like angry. And he gave me the permission and he was patient to let me go through all those 
while like he was here not saying much but from his body language and everything you can see that he was saying I'm, I'm here for you and take all the time you need like I'm here for you we're going to walk this through together whether we have a child or not but then that also offended me like well I want a child you know <laughs> how can you see whether we have a child or not like so why are we married you know is it just to have sex you know cook eat and go like for me like you know but now I view things differently I'm learning to be happy while while going through the journey right while yeah. you know because all those years of, of hurt and, and pain and, and, and resentments and anger, like we can never get them back. Of course, I'm not saying don't feel, I mean, it's important you, you feel or you go through all your feelings, but, you know, and take time because if not, then, you know, it's just going to keep being like somewhere and then it will keep coming out, you know, from time to time. So, um, yeah, I would say I'm in a good place now. I have my down moments, you know. Um, also, uh, in terms of my re- relationships outside my husband, like with family, they've been mm. super supportive. With friends, I've been blessed, you know. And some friends have been, um, we've gone our separate ways. Yeah. Um, not because they are necessarily bad people but because at the time they didn't understand my my journey right it felt like I wasn't happy for them or I'm a jealous person or but and you know at the point I had to you know choose that my peace of mind was best but now like sometimes things happen and I realized if you haven't gone through that journey you would never fully understand, you know, the intensity or the toll of how that can affect, you know, another, you know, and I'm learning to be patient with people, but at the same time, I'm learning to cut people off. You know, I'm learning to, to, you know, find people who, you know, understand and who genuinely will be there for me, like through the canteen and while I will, I will do the same, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. Well said, Chima. So many words you said there, really. And I'm so thankful for your husband for being so patient and understanding mm-hmm. and letting you get through. I told him, if, <laughs> I told him I don't think we'd ever get divorced because if we didn't while well, going through that, then mm. tell him you're stuck with me for life. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Such a beautiful story. How did you guys meet? We met online. Oh, wow. On the dating app. Yeah. Thank you for dating apps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank God for that. Yes. 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 Because yes, many yes, times yes, we don't yes. think that, I mean, you know, at least here in Nigeria, people don't really. I know at least five as... people, Nigerian women who have met wow. their husband. From, yeah. Living so. in Nigeria or living outside Nigeria? One living in Nigeria before she moved and then the others here. Wow. So, yeah. And the thing with me was I moved to study in Italy and I'm not an outgoing person. Like my friends or people who really know me know, like I like the comfort or the, I would say the comfort of the four walls or the four corners of my house. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. So I, I like to have people around. I like to talk. I like to chat, but I, I'm not an outgoing person. Hmm. So, and it was a new place for me and a friend or the only other black girl in my school. When I saw her, I was so excited and she was smiling. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, in the whole building of maybe 500 students were just, wow. you know, yeah. two Africans. And uh, she was, she is African-American and we got talking and I'm like, oh God, I don't have friends. I'm always stuck at home. I don't know what to do. And I don't like to go out. Plus I hate the cold. <laughs> so, and I moved in winter. So oh, I would wow. not, yeah. So why go out when it's freaking cold? And she was like, oh, you know, try Tinder. And yeah, <laughs> and there you are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. Oh my! I'm gonna keep that in mind. Tell my single friends. Yes. Or like, hey, yes. Tinder, check mm-hmm. it out. It just might work for you. Yes. Two 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 friends actually just mm-hmm. got engaged here wow. in Belgium. They are both Nigerians, and they met their husbands on Tinder. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell my mom about that, actually. I don't know what my mom will think. <laughs> <laughs> because really, she what's the difference? Oh, that's your friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but because back in their times, many times it was like parents or aunties that hooked them up with people anyway, right? It was all this yeah. like uh, hookups. So, you know, mm-hmm. what's wrong with trying something new? Oh, and by the way, he's the best decision ever. He's one of my best decisions. So it does yeah. work. For work. somebody who is willing to give it a try, you have to be patient and swipe and swipe and swipe. But, yeah. <laughs> but the right one It's will like come. a full-time job. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that with us. Hajima, <laughs> um, for someone that is listening and, or, you know, just general public, what do you think, the, what do you wish they knew about surrogacy? Like, what are some, you know, things that you feel that people just really don't understand that you wish they knew? Hmm. Oh, what would you like to say to the society that, you know, some people have perceptions about surrogates and not being, quote unquote, the normal way and all of that. Yes. And all of. I would say, don't rip yourself of true joy and happiness and and peace because of what somebody else thinks right Mm. don't do that nobody nobody has walked in your shoes right it is important that you get to that stage on your own right because Mm -hmm. people suggested it at first and I hated them for it because it wasn't, I felt it wasn't their place to say because they were already lucky, either pregnant or, you know, having kids or, yeah. you know, and when I got there myself, so um, you can try and, you know, what I will say to friends and family of people struggling with infertility, don't just go out and say, oh, go for surrogacy, go for adoption, go for IVF. No, you listen. By listening, you will know where that person is you know, at, at that point, and then you can offer some of, of this advice. But um, yeah, so um, for me, again, is do, do you, do what will make you happy. People will talk at the end of the day, but you are the one who goes back into your house or your room and truly knows what you're going through. So do you. Um, 
surrogacy is amazing, you know. Um, a friend of mine <laughs> told me, who actually went through infertility herself, told me, oh, you're so lucky you're not going to get pregnant because you get to keep your figure, you don't add weight, you know, you don't have to push a baby out, your vagina will still be the same size and shape. And, you know, that was something very, very hurtful to say because how, how dare you say that to somebody else? But, well, I get to keep my whole, <laughs> my whole, <laughs> you know, let's, 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 you know, um, I would love to experience pregnancy, but I'm not dwelling on what I can't have. I'm dwelling on what I can have, right? Um, my experience with my daughter is, um, we're inseparable. I love her dearly. Uh, I, I, I. I don't know what pregnancy feels like because I've never been pregnant, but I also don't remember that I didn't carry her pregnancy. You know, um, I was told by few friends, um, one, God bless his soul, um, that it didn't matter what people thought. Uh, it doesn't matter the path to parenthood. We are parents and when you accept that within you, then that's all that matters. Um, so yeah, and I would encourage everyone to try as much as possible not to lie about their journeys, you know, embrace it, you know, embrace it, embrace it, embrace it. Nobody can use it to insult you, you know. Uh, we're grateful for science, we're grateful for these options. But if you look around you and you know how many people have had babies via surrogacy or IVF treatments or, or um, IUI, you would be shocked. So, um, you know, embrace your journey. Um, also, learn to know who to share your story with and who not to, because uh, some people make you feel like you're your your princess or your queen even while going through your struggles and some people make you feel less of yourself so always surround yourself with people who encourage you you know um and um lastly um just know that it can go either ways for the surrogate so they are sacrificing so much be graceful um before now i used to say oh the surrogates are so, you know, selfish and demanding and, and all that. But man, you know, it's with my story and how it ended for my surrogate with the one I just mentioned now that yeah. died while delivering a baby, you know. Yeah. How, how you know, I, I, I wonder what the intending mother feels or the intending parents. When they look at that yeah. child, it will always be a reminder of the sacrifice somebody made for them and in the cause, you know. So, you know, we have to also learn, they are not like surrogates, most especially in Nigeria, are not like people who, you know, because, you know, of how our economy is, you're not doing them a favor. They are doing you a favor. They are putting their lives at risk to give you this wonderful gift that you can give yourself. So just learn to be patient. Pray for them while on the journey and after the journey, you know, um, you know, and for me, again, it was important that my child knows how she became, 
I won't want her to read it on the internet someday or, you know, find, you know, nothing can be hidden under the sun. So, yeah. So that's why, again, I'm open about my journey. You know, there are books in which I've gotten for her that we can go through them while she's growing up so she understands, you know, mm. because it's also important for my husband and I that our daughter grows up with love and sacrifice in her because if not for this two, we never would have had her. And not just love for my husband and I and possibly a sibling when we have one, no. Beyond our family, beyond the extended family and like to people in general, a stranger on the street, you know, um, because again, I've never been pregnant or I don't think even if you pay me a million dollars, I, I, I won't do this for somebody. I, I, I don't think with everything I've seen and I've experienced. Yeah. So yeah, surrogates are, are angels. They are superhumans and uh, we need to appreciate them. And even if you pay, it's not a job. It's, it's yeah. a sacrifice. Well said, Ajima. Thank you. Thank you. If you could go back to your younger self, to 18-year-old Ajima, hanging out and having fun, maybe university here, just, you know, just chilling, what would you tell her, knowing what you know now? You need to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) You need to calm down. And... (laughs) Don't, you know, make plans. Well, it's good to make plans, but mm. I remember my, my best friend and I, when we studied, we were in the same class in university and I always wanted to get married early, 25, 26. She said she would at 32, 33. And I always made fun of her saying my kids would be her page boy and her little bride. Mm. <laughs> and I... <laughs> And I remember when we turned 30, she called me and she said, babe, what's up with those little, little bride and, and, and page boy? And she still, you know, she still, every time we talk, she still jokes and well, she's not married. So hopefully Imani will still be her little bride. But at the same time, you know, at the same time, um, you know, um, take things easy. And uh, know that there are options should in case it doesn't happen for you naturally. Don't beat yourself, you know, about it. It's okay to be sad and and cry and all, but, and importantly, my fertility wasn't, you know, like natural or, you know, it was man-made. Right. So I will encourage every 18 year old or even less to just go and have general checks. You know, you need to know your body, what's happening inside of you so that if there's a situation or if there's an issue, then it can be tackled, you know, ahead of time. So, yeah. And again, you don't marry and just have kids. You have to be lucky and blessed for that to happen for you immediately, you know? So, yeah. Well said. And as a wrap up, Ajima, any quotes, that you have found really helpful during this journey that you'd like to mm. share with us? Yeah. My story is my power or your story is your power. Mm. Own it, embrace it. And uh, yeah, that has Great. been, that's, that's been it for me. Very powerful. 
we and need more. Yeah, go ahead. One more, if mm. I can add. Of course. Um, it doesn't matter your path to parenthood, you just are one. Thank you so much, Ajima, for joining us on the show today. It's been a pleasure having you on. And uh, thanks for inspiring us all. Uh, we love everything that you're doing, everything you, you advocate for and enlighten us all about. So thank you so much. And uh, for reminding us that we should all own our stories and tell power. So thank you. And we look forward to having you again in the near future. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.